wouldn't lie. That's <laughs> the thing. Is like I'm like y'all are all fake to each other. Like I would I wouldn't trust anybody. Trust only yourself. Hello and welcome to Movies We Dig, the podcast about film, antiquity, and everything in between. I'm Colin McCormick. And I'm Elijah Fleming. And today we are finishing our third and final installment of uh, our excavation of Troy Fall of the City. This is part three. We're going to be talking particularly about the last two episodes, seven and eight, although we'll probably be sort of reviewing and and reassessing our views on the show as a whole. But joining us today... Uh, is another very special guest we're super excited about is another student in Dr. Rabinus's class, Ava Alana, uh, first year UT student uh, and and budding film critic and Troy expert, right? Or am I just, <laughs> she's making a face. I can edit that out. <laughs> but welcome. Uh, welcome, Ava Alana. Wonderful to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so we'll start with our usual, unfortunately, our, our, um, our other guests couldn't, couldn't be here that are, uh, with us today, but, uh, but we've got you on the podium, but, but yeah, like the, the, the thing we always start with and Eli and I have already had two chances to speak on this issue, but yeah, do you, do you dig this show? Okay. So I mean this in the nicest way to the people who made this show, but I don't know how you can turn a battle into something boring. Like (laughs) I... Half the time I was checking to see when the episode was going to be over (laughs) because Mm. like they didn't have any of the fun scenes, none of the comic relief that was in the Iliad, you know, when they had like the, but the people they were fighting uh, or they had their little bat, like their little competitions in their own camps, you Mm -hmm. know, and Mm -hmm. that was so much fun and it was cool to read and the gods were crazy and that was fun. And then you get to the movie the show sorry the show i think like a lot of people maybe this is just because of like the weight of the centuries or whatever but a lot of people think of the iliad and, and all the attendant stuff is like very serious stuff but i think you're right there's a lot of like kind of like silliness in there's there there's a lot we... of just entertaining stuff and mm-hmm. they managed to get all the boring stuff yeah i mean like don't get me wrong there was a couple scenes that i liked but like i would have preferred less of them torturing this dude and more of them showing the gods messing around with them or I agree. You know, yeah. Them yeah. having their own fun. For sure. Yeah. So what what's something that you that you did like? I did like the scene between um the King Priam and Achilles with mm-hmm. the sl- like the thing that really got me is when the king was like, I'm sorry for your loss. And I, I was watching my friend and I was like, to be able to say that to someone who killed your son, it was just kind of like really cool. I, I, I digged that part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's actually, we can start with that. So that's kind of one of the, it's one of the first things I think that happens in, in, in episode seven. Mm-hmm. It'd be, well, in addition to, I wrote down, so Priya makes another brilliant tactical move to put Paris in charge of everything, but <laughs> which we can come back to. But but yeah, so like this scene, probably one of the, the high points, I'd say, of Iliad 24, where Priam goes, uh, sort of, he, he sneaks into the Greek camp to bargain with, with Achilles over Hector's body. Uh, we've seen this also, you know, with Peter O'Toole in the 2004 movie. 
Uh, I don't know if you've seen that. If you, if you or you, did, you guys watch that one? They watched on the day that I worked. Oh, gotcha. that's a bummer. You I'm, should, I'm, if you got a minute, you should go back. It, that movie, I think, is like a key linchpin to understanding this show. I think, <laughs> along with a bunch of other films, because this 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 show, I think, is very indebted to sort of prior iterations. But 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 this show, this show takes a, a, a sort of different approach to the to the the sort of. Iliad 24, the, the preem to Achilles, because mm-hmm. in this one, uh, they, they, they kind of dwell, it seems to me, that preem's sort of decision, or his envoy to Achilles really dwells on on mothers, mm-hmm. which is a departure, I think, both from from the Iliad and then also from the, the 2000 Troy movie, which is, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember how it really goes down in there, but it's more just Peter O'Toole being like, give me back my son. Well, the weird thing about the Troy movie was that they stay really close, actually, I think, to the actual Iliad, don't they? He says, like, mm-hmm. I have now, like, what, kissed the hands of the man who killed my son or something like that or something along those lines. Um, and that's, like, very, very Homeric. Well, that that movie that, loved like, to to sort of uh, cherry pick lines yeah, from the yeah. Iliad. And so it... it picked that one i guess which i don't know i kind of liked i liked the the peter o'toole version i thought it was really moving and meaningful and i think this this was moving in a in a different kind of way yeah because in so in the iliad the main the the one of the main sort of points of appeal is priam actually talks about achilles's father and he kind of goes through the the to like the appeal to fatherhood or he's talking about like how he uh, how he knew Achilles' father and then is like thinking about his, like getting him to think about his own family. And this, the show kind of flips the script a little bit because we get these scenes of Hecuba being very despondent and kind of, she kind of goes almost like catatonic mm-hmm. in her, you know, in her grieving, which is leads me to another interesting, well, another interesting choice, which is about the sort of absence of Achilles' mom in this show. Yeah. Who's a very, who's a, a pretty big character in the Iliad. She comes down, you know, she appeals to Zeus. She comes down and does stuff. She gives Achilles his famous armor. So it's inter- it was interesting to me that they sort of invoked motherhood, but Achilles' mom goes mysteriously unmentioned. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense, though, with, like, the whole way that they did the gods. Like, they just, they did have them in there, but it wasn't as big as a role. It wasn't wasn't as crucial. And, like, you could say it's because maybe they knew it wouldn't have been as big of a hit, because some people are weird about still Greek polytheism and just polytheism in general. Mm-hmm. And also that it would have turned into more of that, like Greek polytheism and less of some battle. Mm-hmm. So it could have sure. been like a, a, a choice, like a, a thought out decision of removing this woman mm-hmm. to keep it a certain way. And they kept a very, very sort of tight cast of gods. I think we only see like, Four of them, really, with any regularity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you only see is it Artemis like once, mm-hmm. way back in the beginning. Yep, you see Zeus. He's the one I think you see the most, and or him, him and Aphrodite. You see yeah. them the most, probably, mm-hmm. and mostly in passing. Mm-hmm. And you see Athena periodically, and I think Hera. Yeah, but maybe Hera only again at the beginning, like when they first did the Golden Apple, right? I can't remember if it's her or Athena who shows back up at some some one of the other ones shows back up at some point, but I can't remember now if it was Athena or Hera. I think it was Athena. Yeah, and where was I going? But then you get other ones that are like this is we we mentioned this before, but there are times where like where the, the show likes to sort of add gods 
where there aren't or like maybe don't need to be gods and removes them from other times where they are. Where I think the exception of the like the Artemis scene, we keep coming back to the Artemis scene back in episode two because that was kind of the most effective. And I think if it had been like that, where it's like we know Artemis wants something and then the priest has this brief flash of Artemis mm-hmm. and she makes that that very strange sort of haunting expression. And then, you know, then it's gone, but sort of her will, whatever her, her will is a bit of a mystery, but you sort of know what we have to do, mm-hmm. or at least to get what we want. And then, but there's times like, I feel like there would have been, there would have been ample chances for things like that with like Apollo and the plague. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, um, or, or in, in the Iliad, it's Hermes is the one who guides Priam to, uh, mm-hmm. to Achilles. Yeah. That would have been. It takes cool. him out too. That would have. Mm-hmm. That would have been an interesting scene to have kept. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get, cause like, I think that we've mentioned that the shots we like are the ones where like you see a God and you're not even sure if it's just one person sees that God, if the God is visible to, to, to anyone but them, or they're doing something, they're just kind of walking or gesturing. Like, I think my sort of where I've fallen so far in the show is that the God should actually just not even speak. They should just be there. They should be, because I think they speak just enough to be like, well, what the hell are they doing? Because they just talk in like weird cryptic platitudes. And then so either you should go like full, full Homeric, have them just talking and arguing and at each other's throats and being like these real petty drama queens. They're constantly kind of conniving, you know, with each other or just that more sort of like you just see Apollo on the hill or you see Artemis at the altar. Or you see Aphrodite walking along the beach and you're not even sh- quite sure what to what to make of it. I like that. Because also... Yeah. You get these elements too, like in the we talked about the last episode, this 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 weird aspect where Aphrodite mentions that the curse has been broken because Paris has died. When and I think Zeus like kind of says, like, oh no, that's that's not the case. That was just <laughs> like we're just getting their hopes up. <laughs> it was like, why? What? <laughs> I think they just needed a reason for him to go back to the city or like for mm-hmm. everything to be okay. Which yeah, mm-hmm. I think sort of coming back to something you said earlier, Ava Alano, it's like the the fun parts, they seem to have kind of cut out. Like I wanted a lot more battle going on. <laughs> and, it seemed like a and, small amount of battle. Yeah, just like war. overall, like the choices that were made. It's like, why did we pick this to add and not and not keep something that was that was already there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like it's extends from gods to battles to pacing of like the entire last episode but i'm getting ahead of myself i apologize <laughs> no but again we'll, we'll just we can we can jump on in a second but to talk a little further about this priam envoy and just achilles but yeah i wanted to ask you uh Avalana, like how what did you think about either hector or not hector excuse me achilles or or priam priam i know how to say his name like what were your what were your what was your impression of of Achilles because he he to me is kind of one of the more confounding characters of this show I mean he's like one of those where you hate him at some points because you're like why can't you just do what I'm saying you know Mm -hmm. then at other points you love him in the way that he acts and I like the fact that he has like a lot of depth like there's a lot of you know the duality of man how at one point he wants to keep the person who killed his love love Mm -hmm. you know but then on the other other side, he sees that this is also a man's suffering. So I really mm-hmm. liked that. I really, and then for Priam, I really enjoyed the fact that it was kind of really selfless of him, which you wouldn't expect of a king, especially to do for a woman, you know? Because mm-hmm. you hear stories about of past kings who just killed their wife if they didn't give mm-hmm. him a son, you know? Mm-hmm. And then now you have him 
crossing battle lines to go get this kid or his kid for his Mm -hmm. wife to be better. You know, Mm -hmm. I I very much enjoyed seeing that in a show. And I don't know. I just, I really, I really liked the dynamic. I really liked the way that they just kind of both forgave each other. I would have liked the gods to have been kept in because I thought it's so funny to imagine him just kind of sneaking off with the body. But I, I like that Achilles gave it to him for like for real in the show. It was nice. Mm-hmm. I think it is interesting that it's like, yeah, this entire family actually really loves each other. There like isn't a weird, I guess they're dysfunctional in other ways, but it's like really They're not great. Agamemnon. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm talking about... <laughs> Just like Priam and Hecuba and and Hector, they were like actually like had a great, you know, family relationship and mm-hmm. really cared about each other. And I'm guess I'm sort of surprised, but like, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, I guess we don't get to see just like people actually caring about each other <laughs> a whole lot. <laughs> You're right. And so it's it is kind of nice that like those I mean, obviously then they get ripped apart and everything is terrible. But that's kind of what makes it more dramatic and more exciting. Mm-hmm. So, that's what makes like the good parts good. Kind yeah. Of. yeah. Yeah. And there's another scene where the one of the scenes that I like occasionally this, this show has like a scene that I really I think actually kind of works and I think resonates. There's one where Achilles is talking to Odysseus and he's talking about kind of his just the displacement that he feels where he's talking to Odysseus and he's like, well, you can just after, you know, you want to end this war because you're just going to get to go home and, and be with your wife. And whereas I'm like, where do I go after this? And I feel like this is one of those goals because like I think that's a really compelling idea that the like we could have. I think the the way I wrote it down in my notes was it's another scene where we get right up against something that's potentially interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, then we just it just we don't develop we don't really develop. Like I feel like if I were like in my teacher mode and I got this I got I got this script and I was like this is a good like develop this in like big red circles. <laughs> and again, like another case of like another aspect of the show that this kind of doesn't want to comment on, but I think would fits right sort of right in with what it's thinking about is Achilles half divinity. The fact that he's not fully human, his mother is a God, his mother, even in the sort of myth tradition has this weird relationship where his mother basically despises his father for being mortal because sort of as, as the story goes that Thetis would bear a son who was greater than the father and Zeus mm-hmm. to avoid him or another God sort of having a son with Thetis, which would have, cause some problems Zeus marries her off to a mortal hero Peleus and and so so where we get Achilles but there's this like weird family dynamic where Thetis loves her son but hates Achilles' father and Achilles himself exists in this like weird sort of in-between space and the way he doesn't jive with the other kings particularly Agamemnon and Menelaus there's something interesting going on there but Achilles is dead by the end of this episode um and we've yeah. seen like very little of Achilles. We know very little about Achilles even prior to this. He kind of, he, I, I, like we said before, I think he enters the show in a very strange way. Yeah, well, especially for becoming like more of a main character, he like doesn't really get a full introduction. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we don't really get to explore his motivations. Yeah. Because like even Odysseus, you know, we sort of like see, we like pick him up, right? And like he tries, yeah. he has his whole try to get out of it thing. And Agamemnon and Menelaus, it's like sort of self-explanatory what they're doing. But it's like, then there's Achilles. And it's like, why? Mm-hmm. We don't get that whole explanation. And so, yeah, I think if we're going to then try to throw him into this like main character position... He feels very two-dimensional to me. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's like, I feel like they tried to put in the parts of him that were 3D, like having him decide not to fight and having him respect their wish of 12 days and all that. And like, they tried to keep that part of him, but they just didn't give it enough. Yeah, it sort of rings kind of hollow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really hated the whole like, we're going to wait 12 days, but no, let's not. Let's it up <laughs> like that that was another it I was like it. it was it was kind of like it, it felt like a very contrived conflict mm-hmm. like you've been here years already it was it was i felt it was unsatisfactory unsatisfactorily explained why it's advantageous because it's like when the greeks end up attacking it's not even like they catch the trojans by surprise like the trojans army's there they just attack the army like it's like they, you couldn't have just done this later um right. <laughs> Like I, I again, that was I was the same way. I was like, y'all been here for ten years. I know y'all y'all have taken it like a month break because mm-hmm. some of y'all are still alive. So <laughs> yeah, again, it was just it was it felt like it was another like the show sort of contriving conflicts. Like we'll talk about Helen and the Spy later, but that's like another I think textbook example. Yeah, because then also it creates this other because that that whatever that growth and development we I think we got from Achilles is sort of undone because he's sort of tricked and again Odysseus wouldn't do that even though like two scenes earlier Achilles was just going after Odysseus for being a trickster and being like a someone who fights like tricky scheming wars because yeah there's this part where there's this development where basically Agamemnon Menelaus conspire to 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 get the war back on to get some kind of unseen advantage over the Trojans for for not waiting those those full 12 days uh so they they pull a sneaky with Thersites where he kills one one of Achilles's men in the, like again, like a very like like a very easy to see through ploy. Yeah, <laughs> it was like you guys bought that. I didn't buy that. <laughs> no, no one should have bought. I mean, Odysseus sees right through it immediately, but then decides to lie to Achilles' face to, I guess, to motivate the war again, so we can create another conflict. But then, which motivates sort of Achilles' final. And Eli, you mentioned pacing problems, but I think this is where it's the most yep. pacingest problem. Yeah, problem pacingest problemist. <laughs> is this the sequence probably the back half of of episode seven? Yeah, where leading up to Achilles' death, because then so the armies assemble like they were totally like both sides were completely prepared for this, <laughs> and then they fight and Achilles basically just drives through the army, and then well I guess then, and then he gets to the Amazons, so we can talk let's talk about the Amazons at this fight. <laughs> I I wanted them to do more. I feel like they were there just like on the outskirts. And if we were going to have them there, I wanted them to be a bigger part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we met them. I think we meet them one or two episodes prior, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so we haven't known them very long. We get one scene between Penthesilean and Aeneas where Dean Thomas kind of flirts with Penthesilea. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I didn't like that. I I wish I just wouldn't have put the Amazons in there, if we're going to be honest. Um, yeah. I didn't like that scene because I was like, aren't all these women gay and speaking from like a, a gay woman i was like i wouldn't be flirting with this man if i was in a clan full of women with other mm. women and i like women <laughs> you know like i just i saw that and then to have them all get whooped basically by achilles in a span of five seconds i was like these women are trained fighters. Like, am I just supposed to believe that five of them could get taken out in five seconds by this random, or not random, I mean, I, I guess 
he's like a demi person thing mm-hmm. but to have him just beat all five of them in five seconds was kind of disrespectful yeah and what i would what i would say was like watered down 300 sort of moments. yes because <laughs> so uh, yeah so there was a couple of i noticed the other the few other parts where this show is kind of almost like like a recreation of particularly the troy movie and 300 there's one part where the mermanists are going to like oh 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 straight out of 300 i think achilles duel with hector i think is choreographically very similar to yeah. the one from that movie anyways yeah my, my my biggest complaint well like i think they should have they could have set up the Amazons as like when they're there, they actually turn the tide of battle because they are this fresh recruits and they are the best warriors sort of maybe barring Achilles and his Myrmidons, but they are like the, the, the creme de la creme, yeah. the elite of the elite, but we see very little of them actually doing anything. Yeah. No, I, I watched this with, uh, with Nick and he was like, who's that? And I'm like, it's the Amazons. He's, and he's like, is that like real? Is that canon? I'm like, yeah, it's Penthesilea. He's like, who the is that so it's like a character that like is not in the like you know top 10 name top 10 iliad characters and i think it would have been really cool to have a really awesome like yeah Mm. amazon fighting force and which again like ample tradition for this you know we can look we can see artistic representations of this but yeah no he they duel for what feels like inside five seconds Mm mm-hmm you know, there and I get there's I think another like there's a setup there. This is a setup payoff problem, I think, where we should have had an earlier scene or an earlier fight where maybe they almost fight or they're fighting on opposite sides or we at least get to see like Penthesilea kick a little bit of ass. Yes, please. Then when when they actually meet on battle for the first time, it's like kind of got some tension because it's like, Ooh, how's this fight going to go? Or like they know each other because also there's this element where Penthesilea says that they're going to war to fight Achilles and to fight the 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 Myrmidons. And I forget if she gives a reason for that. I think she says, like, um, he killed, like, all of my friends and family or something yeah. along those lines. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that there's a, this is, again, like, there's a backstory, like, a, an, an interesting backstory that's alluded to but never shown. Mm-hmm. Like, we should feel more, I feel like, when these two characters meet. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, I didn't understand why mm-hmm. it felt like there was some kind of tension between them, but mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. The closest thing I think we get is we do, I think this is at the episode prior where Achilles executes one of her, one of her soldiers. Mm-hmm. But again, it all sort of like the pacing is so like in that episode, we talked about the sort of the weird rush that it goes through between Patroclus's death and Hector's death. And I think there's another rush. It really rushes through these big battles, these sort of climactic meetup, these climactic duels, and just really wants to get past them all so we can have more like Paris and Helen, like, sort of, like, brooding. <laughs> it's, I mean, partially has to be a budget issue, right? It's like, if mm-hmm. you can't spend the money on the big battle, I guess you invent a spy subplot to do instead? <laughs> so, But accordingly, this show, according to my research, this show cost two million pounds per episode. Something like that. It was okay. an yeah. extremely expensive show. It also, I, it's it's tough to gauge because like I don't know what the metric is for like when a Netflix show makes back what it cost. I don't mm. know how they figure that out. This is whole like dark art of like how to report earnings on like streaming services. <laughs> but but yeah, this was an extremely expensive mo- uh, show to make. But it looked like they were very much sort of you know because like there's you say like they say like I think it's in the Game of Thrones season with the. The Battle of the um, King's Landing that the, like mm-hmm. pretty much like two thirds of the show's budget like was blown on that battle. Yeah, 
but yeah, there's 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 a there is a dearth of battle in a movie ostensibly about war. So yeah, so so and so Achilles sort of and also like another instance, Penthesilea at one point mentions that she's going to station forty Amazons somewhere, and I feel like we see maybe it's shot in such a way that we never really see more than ten Amazons at a time. Yeah, like where did they go? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like this thing where he starts doing this math and he's like, okay, 40 of them. I was like, I saw a group of five. Like, <laughs> I, where are you hiding them? Are they already <laughs> out? Like, are they already stationed? That's the thing mm-hmm. is they make it seem like they're already stationed out there, but then ask for them to be stationed. Also, the, the weirdest bit, bit, just to go back to the Aeneas scene, is Aeneas just like mentions his dead wife in passing. Which was another thing that just kind of stuck in my craw because I was like, I got, and Aeneas's wife is not supposed to be dead at this nope. point. Nope. Um, in the same way that I got real like grumpy about Odysseus having two sons. This is just another thing where it's just like a throwaway line that I feel like does nothing yet also just flies in the face of, of what I with a PhD know. But that's that's more my pro- that's more my problem, I think, than the show. So I'll I'll sort of rescind my complaint. <laughs> But that, but yeah. So anyway, so after Achilles, after this fight, this duel with the Amazons, then we get Achilles' death. How did you feel about the death of Achilles? I ask you all. I liked it. I don't know. That sounds weird to say because he died. But like, you're allowed fact, to like things. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that I like the fact that he died. But mm-hmm. I did like the scene. I did like how very. I don't know. I felt. I felt better after it. The fact that he knew. These people did lie to him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he was laughing, right? Or smiling when he died. Like, I felt better knowing that now he doesn't have to deal with this issue of having no one to go back home, having mm-hmm. nothing to go home to, having nothing else left in this world. Like, this was all that was kind of keeping him on, I think, is the fact that now this had messed him up. Because he was sitting out there by that fire, you know, mm-hmm. in front of his, just staring at the body. Like, mm-hmm. he was going through it. He's not okay. Mm-hmm. He's not doing hot today. So he <laughs> I'm not not saying he deserved to die, but he definitely mm-hmm. did not have a hard time accepting death. Yeah. I I agree. I like that that he like learned something before he died about that, where he was like, Oh crap, Odysseus is tricky after all, I guess. But I kinda liked also that it was partially Priam that that kills him. I thought that was kind of I don't know, kind of interesting to go back to, you know, them apologizing and sort of bonding with each other and then to like get to this point again where they're like really angry and violently trying to hurt each other. It's like two ends of that spectrum. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, like they say, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, but a man who thinks that he's been done wrong is a madman. (laughs) You know? That's like the best, that's the best summary of the Iliad I have yet to hear. (laughs) I agree. That's literally the whole thing in one sentence. If a man thinks that he has been done wrong, he is a madman. I'm going to write this down. (laughs) So we've talked a lot about Achilles. We have. Who's next on our docket? That, oh my gosh, that whole bitty woman, that whole thing that was going between them. You're a traitor. You're not a traitor. All that. I could have done without. I was, ugh. <laughs> you know. The family dinner scene where Andromache yes. is like, Helen, this is all your fault. You're the traitor. I hate you. And like, let me talk. Let me get drunk. And again, it, it feels like a sort of washed up, ver- like not washed. It feels like a sort of watered down version of a Game of Thrones scene with like Cersei or something like yep. that. Where 
you know, that like where somebody would get a little drunk at dinner and start like accusing someone else of like treachery. Um, (laughs) But then my like sort of, I guess it's like, this is my, one of the biggest sort of things I can't get over with the show is, is that Helen is sort of positioned as being so central, a very central protagonist. And are we, is the show feels like in a lot of ways, it's trying to sort of redeem Helen or at least get the audience on her side. But then this, these last episodes, I feel like work so hard to get us to like, there's a, there's a discrepancy, but I feel like what the show is telling us to feel and what the show is actually showing us and how we're going to feel about that, where I feel like the show is sort of telling us to empathize at least with Helen, but what we're seeing makes me not want to empathize with her at all because even however mean and drama key was being to her and unfair, she was right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was definitely like, are they trying to make me hate Helen? Because I do think she's making terrible decisions and she should stop. <laughs> like that, That's the thing is I didn't like the fact that they would have her actually doing it and then have her calling it like, a, I just don't feel like it would even be close to historically how it could have even possibly happened. Like the second she started running her mouth, I can promise you there would have been a man to put a hand on her. Like mm-hmm. that's number one. And then number two is that they just seem so like catty about it and just to straight up call her out to her face. Like who would ever do that? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't see that happening. What would have been interesting, at least, is if they tried to have her follow her or something, you know? Tried to have her catch her. Have mm-hmm. her really go crazy. Like, either have yeah. her go crazy or don't have her go crazy. Right, either right, have right, this right. spy plot or don't have this spy plot. Don't make it a boring spy plot. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's like, it almost yes. like the, the scene, this, this show tries to do a thing where it's like in Troy, like, Tro- like the show seems to think that Troy is this like much more progressive place, you know, in that like men and women rule sort of jointly. But like, is it? Like, I'm pretty sure I remember a good scene in the Iliad where she was like, I don't really want to do this. And then a god was like, oh, but you're going to because mm-hmm. you don't really have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. it's Aphrodite. She's like, you should be, Aphrodite basically tells her to like, shut up and do what I want. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not, so I'm going to like, just try to, for my own benefit, try to explain this intrigue plot just so I understand <laughs> it for myself. Where Achilles, so the spy that Odysseus sent in, lets Achilles into the city way back in like episode three or something. And Achilles meets with, with Helen. And I guess through his meeting with Helen figures out that Paris and and Hector went to Cilicia to figure out this tunnel thing. It wasn't like, like Helen didn't like conspire with him and he threatened her. Achilles like threatens her and then susses out what's going on. And then because Achilles got into the city, they're able to, to, to ruin the, the tunnel plan, which kind of dooms the city. And then so Helen who was sort of some servant saw Helen with Achilles and then a Helen, Helen tried to buy his silence. Meanwhile, the, the, this is already, the more I explain it, the more convoluted it's getting. I know. Um, so, because, so the, so the servant saw Helen and Achilles. So there's, there's already like sus- suspicion, you know, that's very suspect. And then the Pandarus, the sort of Trojan, like vizier or whatever he is, is, is like sort of on her case. Xanthius, the Greek spy, kills the servant and kill and frames Pandarus as the traitor to cover Helen's tracks. And then so now, which leads Helen to later sort of help when this spy is eventually snitched on by those kids um, and captured, Helen helps free him, helps him murder a guard and get him out of the city. 
with the message that she'll she'll go back to the Greeks if they spare Troy. Because like it just seems to be like there were so many other ways out of this situation than <laughs> whatever than what Helen did. And then it's because it's it's working to try and set up this choice Helen seems to be making where it's like my own freedom or the safety of Troy. Right. Which is a false choice. Yes. Because as we find out, Menelaus is like, I have no honor, so I'll just take you and kill Troy. Right. But like but at even that point, like you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> but like at, at else like that point, I don't know. They could have set up that sort of choice differently, right? Mm-hmm. Like we didn't need an entire spy plot and we didn't need like weird choices like conspiring to kill a guard to make that happen. Couldn't she have just killed him? I don't know. <laughs> no, wait, had she just killed the Greek spy <laughs> yeah. or turned him in, or I feel like even just when Achilles first showed up, be like, hey, Achilles stuck into the city and threatened me. Yeah. That I mean, I know the, great. <laughs> the Trojans maybe don't trust her, but like, yeah, but it had she just been like that, then it's like, you know, they, they came for me, but like, I didn't betray you willingly. Right. At least. And like, I don't know. Or, but to my mind, again, this is all I think sort of engineered so she has more to do, but it all sort of, it, it, it it's like one of those, con- like sometimes in shows, like it, it, one of the great frustrations is when characters are stuck into conflicts that could easily be solved by like two conversations. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Which is why I think it's so it's so nice sometimes to watch like Star Trek where it's just like competent people behaving competently. Where this is like <laughs> there's like I, 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 there's so many ways like a normal thinking human being I feel like could have gotten out of this situation. But yet here is where here's where we ended up. Because again, I, I think I said this last time where the show knows where it needs to end up. Mm-hmm. And it takes a very strange route to get there. Yeah, I think that that was the, that was I think Mitchell sort of framed it better, or he, I was trying to say something and Mitchell paraphrased it for me. <laughs> well, I do think they like for a story about war. I think you said this earlier. Yeah, there isn't a lot of battle and there isn't a lot of fighting. And if you're you know telling a story about a siege, like that's that's boring. Like just sitting and waiting for stuff to happen. Like be, living through a siege is like terrifying but boring, right? Like nothing happens Mm -hmm. and so yeah it's like in contriving these conflicts to actually have something else to talk about instead of war (laughs) doesn't yeah it doesn't seem to work it sort of runs down that windy road to get to the end which is you know the invasion i think i got it okay so and (laughs) by the bt dubs part of this podcast is not just sort of reviewing movies but also engineering our own alternative versions that we would pitch because one day Hollywood is going to come knocking at our door with a two million pounds a day for our eight episode <laughs> Netflix show. I mean, I don't know the way Net- the way Netflix greenlight stuff. Like, I, I, I maybe there, there's maybe we will get a Netflix show. Hell but yeah. here's here's my alternative pitch, and I want to see what what people think about. What if rather than this like convoluted spy thing with Xanthius and this in, like unnecessary intrigue where you're covering you're you're covering up sort of minor crimes with worse crimes? What if instead it was a more it was like a like a publicly known dilemma where like Menelaus or someone early on says like, Helen, come back and we will spare Troy. And then Helen has to sort of deliberate and maybe some people in Troy are like freaking give her up. And then maybe some other people in Troy and maybe like some of the other women in Troy are like, no, well, like, hang on. Like, why do we have to march to this? Why do we have to do what they say? You know, and then this, this, this dilemma that she could sort of have out in the open and then some characters might antagonize her and some might sympathize her. We could get solidarity, perhaps between other female characters or something like that. 
where the, that that is the sort of deliberation that happens ulti- ultimately. And then maybe the thesis is like, you can't trust Menelaus and men like him because they're rat bastards or something. Yeah, I like that. It's sort of like the, um, makes me think of the Dark Knight where it's like, turn in the Batman and these people won't, I won't blow up a hospital or something, right? It's like a, yeah. a public facing um, dilemma, which I think would work in a siege story because it's like an extreme survival story and people do extreme things. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. would have been cool. <laughs> but so also for a little bit of context, Eli, much of your work involves extreme survival situations. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and, and where as many of your interests lie. So I'd be like, that's the Eli, that's the Eli version. Yeah, that's the Eli version. <laughs> or it's like that scene in Master and Commander where they run into a calm and yeah. everybody thinks it's a curse. Um, yeah. And so the one guy, the one guy who they think is cursed, he ends up like jumping off the side of the ship with a cannonball. Right. And then the winds come back. And so it's like, you know, but it's like a similar sort of like moral dilemma for a collective community. Yes. Yes. I like it. If I did it, I would have put a lot more of the gods in there. They were so entertaining. <laughs> so yeah. entertaining. My thing is like, I, I don't know. I just like the action. I like. I like action where I don't the whole time feel like I could be doing it better. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I would have replaced the spy plot and put them having their little competition, you know, like that Mm -hmm. was fun. That was cool. Or have like the gods come in and have them bickering at each other constantly. This is kind of off topic, but I remember you had talked about earlier the gods and how annoying or like how annoying it seemed that, at times where they shouldn't be there, they were there. And at times where it would be cool to have them there, they weren't. I remember, I think it was episode seven at the end, where they were talking about how they don't trust this to hold their end of the deal. Mm-hmm. That was the most useless scene I've ever seen in my entire life. I have no clue why it was there. I I watched it, and for like a second, I was like, who are these people? <laughs> what are they doing? Why, why, are, why are there random people here? Tell me what I already know. Yeah. And I already think so. The, the Trojan horse, I think, is like a perfect represent an encapsulation of, I think, sort of the, the show's problems into that, like that God issue that that Ava Lana was just talking about, because like it invents this very like euhemeristic historical reason why they would bring the horse into Troy, i.e. it's filled with grain and they're starving, mm-hmm. where if you have a show with the gods like that is a reason enough because. OK, Colin here, I'm about to say something about the Iliad. But I actually mean the Aeneid. And I want you to know that I know. And I want to know that you know that I know. Yeah. Readers of the Iliad might remember there's a part, there's a part where a priest, Loakoan, says, let's not bring the, Troy, the, the horse into Troy because it's probably a trick. And he says that correctly. And then Poseidon sends two big ass snakes to eat him and his sons. Um, and then so when that happens, they're like, okay, we'll, we'll take the horse. You know, So there's like there's a divine motivation for them to to bring the horse in. Mm-hmm. And in the show that already has gods, you know, it, it, who make people do things or can potentially make people do things, invents this like grain reason, which again, but then there's another like, why don't we just bring the grain and leave the horse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd think that that would be, that would be easier. I don't know. I really, I liked the style of the horse. I thought it looked really cool, but that was, but yeah, I didn't like that it had grain in it. I guess. Yeah. 
Like, have you all ever seen Mr. Peabody and Sherman? Been a while, but yes. The, it's a, oh, yeah, oh. that's that the dog adopts a kid. Yeah. And they go, and they have, like, the, the Trojan War. And that was more entertaining. Mm-hmm. That, like, the way that they snuck in and all that was so much more entertaining than yeah. the last episode of this thing. Because it, like, it kind of, I think, pokes fun at, like, sort of the silliness of the whole The myth. silliness of the whole thing. Yeah. None of it really made sense, like how the tr- how they fit all those people in that Trojan horse. Like they had like in that movie, they had like a good twelve, twenty, somewhere mm-hmm. in that range amount of people in that horse. You know? Yeah. There's oh, there's like I think of like so there was somebody had like a meme or like a tweet or something like that that was like Trojans, like we are we are under constant attack. We must be vigilant at all times. And it's like, sir, the Greeks left a, the big horse outside. Oh, rad, bring it in. <laughs> <laughs> basically like that's what it felt like okay this is the problem that i have always had though with the idea of a trojan horse like earlier in the show achilles like gets into the city and gets into the palace mm-hmm. why couldn't they just do that again <laughs> like send one guy in and open mm-hmm. the gate from well, the inside it, it's only i think in this show it's only Odysseus and Menelaus in the horse, right? Yeah, correct. It is effective, like, like Achilles, uh, under that logic, Achilles could have won the war in season three. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even, and I think in the Iliad, doesn't Odysseus sneak into the city and, like, steal the Palladium or something? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yep. if you could sneak into the city, why didn't you open the gates? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then if I was a professor and a student asked me that, I would be because, because it's sound, because it's cool and myths don't have to make sense. Stop asking. No, I wouldn't <laughs> say that, but I would say, I would but say I mean, because it's true. a myth and it's not going to make, it's not going to make sense. So let's not hold it to too tight of a, a metric. Or if, or if the guy who's going to sneak out, and tell them that Helen wants to come home with them and nobody will get hurt. <laughs> yeah. Why doesn't Helen yeah. just sneak out with them with him? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I thought was going to happen when yeah, she was again. like, yeah, I was like that, that would have worked. <laughs> it seemed there were, there were ways Helen could have got out of the city without murdering three guards or however many she killed. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so now we're at, so now actually that brings us to the, the titular fall of Troy based at the last, the back half of, of episode eight. So how do, how do we feel about, because this is the, the sort of climactic, big, dramatic moment when Troy falls and all these, you know, all these great on-screen deaths, like Troilus and Deophobus, two characters we've grown to know and love, who get more screen time in their deaths than Patroclus and Hector, I think. That's just me being petty. I'll stop. Avalon, <laughs> I want you to go first on this. <laughs> Once again, I was just kind of bored, you know? And like... The thing that, again, the thing that stuck out to me most is the thing that probably will always stick out to me and other people that I've seen it with me is when he tossed that baby off, mm-hmm. <laughs> off that thing. That, that was like one of the scenes where I was like, okay, this might be a little messed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but also at the same time, I think about the fact that they probably have done that to other children. And I don't mean this in a hurtful way. And I don't mean to sound unsympathetic when I say it, but wouldn't Odysseus have been used to just killing babies like this? Like, I don't think it would have been as big of a deal as they made it. They And I get that they're doing it because we're modern day and that's very surprising and shocking and terrible to us. But back then, they wouldn't have been thinking twice about tossing his baby. You know, I, I think they would have just tossed it right when they saw it. <laughs> I think it is interesting that we try to like make 
Odysseus a good guy. And I think we do the same thing with Achilles too. When in reality, all of these like Greek heroes um, do really horrible, violent, terrible things to men, women, and children. <laughs> exactly. Like we, the producers tried so hard to put all this emotion and feeling into it. And I think it would have been so much better if they had just shown them for how they acted. It would have been at least interesting and real, you know, kind of realistic to how they would have been more historically accurate accurate is it a problem though that we wouldn't have like somebody to root for but i kind of i kind of like that like in the iliad you didn't really root for one or the other if anything i was rooting for the gods to accidentally die or something you know (laughs) like you didn't really pick one side or the other which was the interesting part which was the fun part is all you know is that you didn't really like anyone who was in charge. Mm-hmm. Like I, I enjoyed that. I, I liked having that feeling. I don't like having to decide, Oh, maybe he's good. Maybe he's bad. Like they're just kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. I, this is the part I'm going to, I'm going to, in an uncharacteristic move, I'm going to defend this show a little bit. Okay. But so I do like that. One of the directions I think they were going with Odysseus is his sort of like, is I think there is a there is a long tradition of sort of reading Odysseus as a very sort of traumatized veteran, basically. And it goes even back to like in the Odyssey, you get scenes where he hears a song about the horrible crimes that he committed at Troy and he cries. Uh, and and like that's like the thing I'm sort of that we're tapping. Like he is sort of a person who like Troy follows him every and I think some and Andromache basically says this outright, where she's like, Troy's gonna follow you wherever you go. You're never gonna get away from this. It's gonna haunt you like a curse. Which it does. Um, that is like, that is, I mean, Odysseus is a very sort of, he's almost, this is going to sound trite, but he's almost like Batman, where he's like, there's so many different versions of Odysseus that are all have a shared DNA, but are not necessarily like, you know, you can look at like an Adam West Batman and a Christian Bale Batman and like, these are two different things, but they, uh, Odysseus is kind of like that too, a little bit, where you get wildly different versions of him. But one of the versions or one of the elements is that he is sort of the sort of traumatized war like warrior who comes who who who's followed around by all of his misdeeds and crimes which i think like one of a case of the acting i think in the show where joseph mall i think does kind of elevate because you can really see it on his face his like conflict and the final shot of this show is odysseus there is a shot of odysseus's face as he sails away and i wonder i wondered a little bit to myself whether this show thought it was getting a, a sequel or a second season with that shot but yeah, because the you know, and I guess, and I think there was a this was a bit of clever writing on the on the show's part where the first time we see Odysseus, he's saving his baby from the plow, and then one of the last things we see Odysseus do is throwing somebody else's baby off the walls, presumably so he can get home to his own children. But we know that that's going to be sort of ruined. Like his his whole life is basically up by this this war, which I think is is something that is kind of interesting and, and worth exploring. Although there is also a, a tradition of a sort of the, the Romans would call him Durus Ulysses, but like of just a, a casually cruel Odysseus who is sort of very willing to utilize and instrumentalize people to get whatever it is that he wants. Uh, so I could do like to Avalana's point, like a sort of uh, you, you could like you could have easily gone with a sort of casually cruel Odysseus. I mean, yeah, he de- he definitely does have in the books sometimes. Uh a kind of more hum- humane personality than the other mm-hmm. ones. So it would have made sense, maybe, maybe, that he would have been a little more hesitant to throw off the child. I just, mm-hmm. I felt like he was really, really amped up 
very TV, you know, mm-hmm. it was a very TV scene. Yeah. Cause the show seems to be doing a little bit of legwork to redeem his character or like at least show that he's conflicted. And he has his moments where he makes, you know, like when he lies to Achilles, where we're like, Odysseus, no. And then other times where maybe we're supposed to be like, Odysseus, yes. Like when he helps Perseus escape. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he does help Andromache or he tries to hide Andromache's baby. Like he's not, he's among the Greeks. He is the one sort of with the most empathy, which I guess is what makes his ch- choices a little bit harder and a little bit more compelling. But, but yeah. I, I enjoyed watching this like ending sequence, sort of thinking about what Adam said about like the themes of like fathers and sons Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually what you said about Odysseus and his sort of like introduction and his exit, like having really to do with his relationship with like, yeah, his own children mm-hmm. and what he's willing to do to get back to them and how that's like, you know, ripping apart somebody else's familial relations. So I think that like thinking about it in that way, I did sort of like the ending sequence but again pacing <laughs> i think mm-hmm. yeah. it didn't work for me pacing wise yeah we got a lot of very important deaths in very strange way you know paris kind of dies in a yeah he dies and i i was like you know i i at this point i, I paris i admit i become so like numb to paris that i was like when madelais kills him i was like this is all yeah. your fault dude all right but then aeneas is just like hiding in a pile of bodies Mm, yeah. What? So this was one thing I did. We're, we're, we're coming up into that hour, but uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Aeneas, I think. Okay. The character of Aeneas. An essay. <laughs> um, in this essay, I will. <laughs> yes, in this essay, I will demonstrate. Um, but, but actually, no, I do want to, because Aeneas struck me, as a, struck me as another character that I thought... I mean, again, we want more developed. Maybe the show should have just been more episodes or something, but then again, that might have just been a more we might have just gotten more spy intrigue. I think we would have gotten more spy. <laughs> but I do sort of feel like Aeneas was a, Aeneas because he's really one of the few, one of the other Trojans that we see a lot of, but we don't get a lot from all we, we really, all of his character development, I feel like happens in this last episode, but up until now, he's basically just been like there and he's, he's good as far as we can tell. And we get this weird moment where he talks about his, his dead wife. And I, maybe that's supposed to, like, his his scene with Penthesilea is supposed to allude to his sort of history as being a kind of, like, womanizing, you know, type, maybe, with, with Dido. But I don't know. That's I might be grasping at straws. But he is the, basically, him and Perseus and those two kids are, I think, the only people that survive Troy. But, yeah, so Aeneas is, is of, of course, I don't know where I was going with this point. I might have to edit a lot of what I just said, but... <laughs> He's an important figure, particularly not so much during Troy, but for the afterlife of Troy. Mm-hmm. So how do, I don't know, how do we feel about Aeneas? Let me, I should have just started with that. I honestly, this is going to sound bad. I am not picturing what his face is for some reason. And so I can't form it. I don't know why my brain isn't telling me what else he's done. He's Dean Thomas in Harry Potter, or um, he's also in How to Get Away with Murder, if either of those mean anything to you. Alfie Enoch is the, the actor. Like, it's just, I don't know why my brain isn't. In some ways, it's almost perfect, because I've heard, I think one of the things is that he just needs to be a much more bland person. Um, <laughs> he's kind of, because if you read the Aeneid, he's like a little bit of a bland character in that. Maybe, maybe not, depending on how you feel about the Aeneid. Well, it's like, yeah, it's one of those stories where I feel like the main character is not my favorite part of mm-hmm. the story. It's like, there's so many cool side characters in the Aeneid that I like a lot more. 
so yeah, it it is kind of perfect. But I don't know. In in the show, Aeneas was just like one of the other randos, like Deophobus and uh, Troilus, who just kind of like popped up every now and then, and he just had slightly more lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think maybe it's like you know dropping those like little nuggets of we know that there's like an afterlife to this character, and so we're gonna make sure he survives but it's like it could have been any one of those characters like there didn't seem to be anything particularly special about I, I will any say, of I, that. when i first started watching the show i was early on much very excited because it didn't do what the troy movie did which was have Aeneas be this random kid who shows up at the very end <laughs> and then is given the magic sword of troy um so you know kids who took latin in high school can be like Argh! uh but yeah, but then I, I sort of, you know, like I, the, the characters that I, the, the classicists, want to see more of in a show like this is like a Diomedes and Ajax and Aeneas, which like I I feel like if I were, a producer would, would look at that and be like, no, like, <laughs> yeah. no way. Exactly. We, yeah, we, we, we can't spend an ep- a whole episode about Ajax arguing with Odysseus over who gets to keep Achilles' armor. Um, <laughs> but that's what I want. <laughs> yeah. You want to put do... all the little petty fight scenes in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to see Diomedes just, like, wasting a bunch of Trojans. I want to see somebody pick up a rock that it would have taken 10 men to lift in today's age and break somebody's hip with it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. They had stories about how they used to lift cattle all the time. Like, come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Let's see something crazy. There's so much material that I think that, that could have been utilized. And isn't Aeneas, isn't he supposed to be like a demigod or something? Yeah. He is Aphrodite's son. So then I guess it makes sense that he was so flirty. <laughs> but yeah. I just... They could have chose like a smoother guy. I or I guess not a smoother guy. They could have chose smoother lines. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of what they said, I didn't. I, I just keep bashing on the show. I feel so bad. No, I really didn't should, even hate it that much. We should get Lucille back because Lucille was a a, a a defender. I think she was. Yeah, um, and she was outnumbered really? at the time. Yeah. No, me and Lucille hang out all the time. <laughs> hit, her, hit her up later I'm on the text room like, did you defend this show no I'm bashed on it my entire episode but we want your real thoughts your real feelings it's all good I mean I just a lot of what they said seemed very planned very scripted it just if you're gonna have people who were from an ancient time try and write at least somewhat in that and that kind of, I, I guess they did at times, they did a really good job at times. I think between Achilles and Priam, there was like a really good respect in the way that they, when they pick up lines from the Iliad is when I like it. But when they don't, I don't like it anymore. You got to watch the 2004. I mean, you might hate that movie. Yeah, you might really hate it. <laughs> that one has Brad Pitt in it though, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's in a very strange point in his career, and he, he yeah, we could go into a whole thing about Brad Brad Pitt circa two thousand four. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> um, I had another just facetious. No, I just had one more question, which was: Do you think Priam dyes his beard, or is it just like that? <laughs> Don't even get me started on how mad I was that entire show every time he was on screen. <laughs> like I, I during his scene with Achilles, I was trying to be nice. I mm-hmm. liked him. 
But every other scene, I want him to get his face and that weird, stupid mustache beard combination off the screen. It was annoying me. It was driving me insane. Like, every part of my body was screaming to just shave it. All of it. Because I wanted one or the other to match. I didn't care which. Didn't really matter which. I just wanted it gone. Nice. I know. I'm like, why? I gotta look up that that guy in real life to see if his facial hair is actually like that, or because it's just so like weird for for your hair to go white and now whatever. Oh, I just looked it up. He's way better looking with. Ew, no, he has it again. I think it, it goes back and forth. Okay. If he okay. if he's feeling it, he'll put the whole mix match <laughs> bang going on. But if he's not, he'll shave his face and look decent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I should be allowed to critique stuff. I'm way too mean. All of your feelings are valid. And then, like, oh my gosh, this is going to sound mean too. Going back to when the gods were standing outside the gate, like in my mind, all I could think about is like, why are they standing there like NPCs? Like, they're about to offer me a quest right outside the gates. Like, that was such a weird spot for them to be at. I would have preferred if they were like watching from like a tree or something. I don't know. Something that would have been at least entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like, why are they just standing outside the gates? Can we see them? Can other people see them? Like, I feel like that was just, everything had just weird placement. Everyone was never where I thought they should be. <laughs> kind of like the NPC gods. It's great. <laughs> like, they were. They were just standing there. Like, I don't trust the Greeks. Nobody does, okay? <laughs> like, thank you for stating what we've already already been looking at yeah yeah and then he got shanked right the kid one of achilles guards got shanked by or slit slit his throat by some old other old guy yeah by thersides yeah like that's what i was i was real weirded out like how is this young man i mean i guess he got caught off guard but at the same time (laughs) i feel like he could have shouldered him something mm-hmm. it would have been a lot more than just him putting a scratch on himself it would have been right i mean I, I still like even that whole scene how no one thinks this is a very suspicious thing to happen right like oh like oh the trojans are gonna uh, uh they're, they're breaking the truce they're gonna kill one random guard that's their big move uh to break the truce mm-hmm <laughs> Not at all. And then the guard who exactly belo- who belongs to the guy who's the one enforcing the truce. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think it's so emblematic of just the like, very yeah, like all that. Nobody at all is suspicious. Like the kid, the, the kid who let him in, the kid who did not kill their yeah. king. Yeah, it's the one that they decide to kill. Oh yeah, yeah. No, exactly. That's that's a double doubly that's- good point. So yeah, in in sort of in sort of rat, in conclusion, our general feelings on this show. We deserved better. Don't in we all? It was not. It was not mm-hmm. it. They failed. Yeah. <laughs> they get an F. <laughs> More like Tro- Troy fall of a show. Oh, <laughs> sorry. My my rule. I think if I were to change really one thing about the show, I want I want about probably about sixty percent less Paris and Helen, and I want more. I want it to be more of an ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Take out the spy thing entirely. Yep. Make it more of a, like make Helm's Dilemma more of like a public moral sort of issue. And really just get, we should get a little bit more back, get a little bit more of, of guys like Aeneas and Achilles. Mm-hmm. 
and and yeah, and, and, and you know, and, and flip back and forth. But yeah, yeah, I I I think there was so much material that they could have really really utilized differently, and I, I think some bad choices were made on how to yeah create conflict <laughs> where there really wasn't any. <laughs> I wish because this is the thing that we always say that we want. We want a mini series. We want something that's really you know going to pull everything apart. And take its time and, you know, do some justice to some these stories. But this is not the way to do it. <laughs> I think they maybe needed to, to use more of the actual material. Or ah, pacing. Just pacing. Gosh. <laughs> I mean, well, I was about to say, one thought I have is like, well, it's not an Iliad show, so we should follow the Iliad. And then you would have, you know, one episode per book, but you have 12 episodes. But then you'd have, like some not all books of the Iliad are equally as exciting so yeah no we don't need to follow to... yeah we don't mm-hmm. need to follow the books you know like mm-hmm. book by book i just no you'd, you'd write yourself into a little corner pretty quickly i think that way oh yeah no to um, the uh extra material point i had my other alternative pitch which is we should have gone with the alternate tradition that you see in greek tragedy and elsewhere where helen isn't even at troy she's actually whisked away replaced with an eidolon like a sort of duplicate copy that duplicate is the one at Troy where everything goes down. The real Helen, meanwhile, is in Egypt, hanging out with the king in Egypt. And the characters in Troy don't even realize this until they're on their way home and Menelaus gets blown off course and lands in Egypt. And Pe- Helen was there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. That, that's a, a sort of Peabody and Sherman-esque level. Like that, I want to see that in an animated sort of comedy series. Yes. Where, where like someone just be like, you mean to tell me that we spent, and also it should be like a Seinfeld, I guess is like, we spent 10 years at Troy. Um, <laughs> yes. What are you, we, what, we, we wasting our time here. I would pay George. money to watch that. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, 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 that play is one of the more sort of comedy, comedy dramas that Euripides writes. Because uh, I did, I made a mental note. I was like, I got to mention the alternate Helens in Egypt plot or a version <laughs> that shows up in this sometimes because that's just a you know nothing is there is no such thing as canon uh in mythology exactly okay any other final closing thoughts uh avalon i want to thank you so much for for being one being super patient with us as we got this set up uh and two just being an amazing sport and a great guest thank you for sure thank you for having me it was a lot of fun did you have that's our main thing is did you have fun yes no i definitely i enjoy bashing stuff so (laughs) right well when the when the when the producers hired thug show up at your door uh yes mm. you know i'm gonna give them exactly what they deserve i'm gonna tell them straight to their face i got a lot of people and you're gonna hear about it (laughs) you can't hide this okay i'll let everyone know your show shit do better Um, oh, uh, Ivana, is there actually, is there anything you want to plug on the show before we, before we lose you? Lifting. Start lifting, ladies. All right. <laughs> Go to the gym. Um, but yeah, thank you again so much. It was lovely having you. Uh, as for, um, our, I, I'm very bad at remembering to do this, but for our listeners, you can find us on moviesweekdate.com. Follow us at, at digmovies. Listen to us at Stitcher, Apple, Amazon, a couple other services. And as always, try to rate, review, subscribe. It really helps us, all that kind of stuff, particularly on Apple Podcasts. But all right, well, thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we'll see you around. Good luck with everything. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.